0: This is Sunday Letters, the weekly newsletter on life, work, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm Larry McGuire. Sunday Letters has been on the go since 2015 in written form, and more recently in audio form, and you'll find no advertising here, no marketing, no round the corner attempts by third parties to sell you stuff you don't need and part you from your cash. Instead, this show is about content of a deeper nature stuff that keeps me up at night, stuff that I spend hours and days researching, writing, editing, recording. And all because I think it's worth sharing. I think it's worth your consideration. And if you enjoy the stuff that I do, if you like what I write and enjoy what I record, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. It costs a five a month or 50 a year and you'll help me create more time to make stuff like this. Get over to Com to show your support for the show. So, here's this week's edition. I've been writing and talking about work for some time now, probably since 2014. And although much of what I write about uh, is kind of banging on the table a small bit, giving out about uh, how shitty work is and how much of an imposition it is and uh, how it gets in on in, under our skin and... How crap it is! Let's be honest about it. Um, okay, maybe that's true to an extent, but there's also good aspects to it. You know, we we meet people in work and we form friendships there. Uh, it provides us with money to do the things that we like to do. Um, of course, most of what we do with that money is pay bills, but um, it does give us an opportunity to uh, improve our lives. I think that's fair. It's it's unfair to lean to constantly lean on the negative aspect of work and say you know it's shit and we have to find a new way but we do and i mean we can't ignore that Uh, there are positives to aspects to work and there are equally negative aspects to work i won't say in fact it's not equal you could argue with me and say there's a balance you know most people work on they need work, and they enjoy it, the money they get from it, and all this kind of stuff. But I think there is a, there is a sense for for me that work is primarily something that's imposed on us. That we, we grow up, we're taught how to how the system works from our ki- from our parents, and we enter into the workplace and we get a job, and we don't really have much choice about it. And as kids, if we ever Voice, although things have changed, right? They they have changed. Let's be fair about it. Um, But in most education systems, children will be discouraged from going a little bit left to center or right to center. They, They want you to get the education and become an employee. That's the route. There's no real denying that. Most people work for other people. In the US only 6% of people are self-employed. Those results, those figures come from the OECD. Um, In Europe, it's about 15%. In Colombia, it's 50%. Now, there's reasons for that um, that I need to look into a little bit more, but uh, most uh, developed countries, um, the, the people, the citizens, work for other people, work for corporates, work for large entities that employ a lot of people. And when you take on a job, you go into that job. And although there are some measures to allow you or autonomous working and to allow you think and use your brain and all that kind of stuff, mostly they want you to toe the line and you have to toe the line because the business model that that corporation employs, uh, results in them making profits for their shareholders. And that's their primary goal. So when you get a job, you might have some freedom to be creative within that, um, within the frame of that. But largely, you've got to do as you're told. Even if you're a manager, there are rules, you know. Um, and I believe that that situation, that arrangement hasn't changed much. You could talk about the, the major upheaval, up, upheaval to how we work uh, given the pandemic and how um, the future of work is going to be very different to even now, it's very different to what it was 12 months ago. And we're relying on technology and all that kind of stuff. Now, my opinion is that that all that may be true and there might be improvements coming. But um, my contention is that the workplace is in- encroaching more and more into our private lives, into um our homes and and our private spaces, and that's not a good thing, in my opinion. Now, getting back to the trust of this week's uh, episode of Sunday Letters, I am giving voice to some positive and negative aspects to work, and I'm leaning on a book titled The Oxford Book of Work by Keith Thomas, it's, uh, from around 2003, I think, and uh, he draws on a lot of material from, I don't know, centuries of of writings from Poets and uh, philosophers, artists, writers, um, uh, the clergy—you uh, name it—they're uh, all in here. Um, now it's—it is pretty exhaustive. I was going to say it wasn't, but it, but it is. It's like 600 pages or something, and there's a, there's there's all these excerpts from um, books and poems and all this kind of stuff that refer to work. Some extol the virtues of work, and um, uh why it is that work is a blessing, etc. And others weigh in on the negative side and suggest that work is an imposition, that uh the corporate machine is destroying our humanity. Um and I I I I I'm on that side as much as maybe I'd rather not be. You can't ignore when your house is on fire. And I think um a large reason why human beings are at odds with work and, and feel this kind of um its imposition and, and how it weighs heavy on on them is because we are essentially square pegs in round holes you've got uh this organic living breathing organism and you put it into a fake plastic environment and you're expecting it to perform you're expecting it to be healthy and it's it's just never going to be the case Okay, it might be the case to a certain extent, but largely, um, it's not free. You're not free, and neither am I, and I believe the only way we can be free in our work is if the if we choose ourselves. So anyway, this week I'm I'm taking a look at some uh, quotes that um, have struck me from this book, and there's a couple here. Uh, This one in particular from Oscar Wilde, Um, he says that, and as I have mentioned the word labor, I cannot help saying that a great deal of nonsense is being written and talked nowadays about the dignity of manual labor. There is nothing necessarily dignified about manual labor, and most of it is absolutely degrading. It is mentally and morally injurious to man to do anything in which he does not find pleasure and many forms of labour are quite pleasureless activities, and should be regarded as such. To sweep a slushy crossing for eight hours on a day when the east wind is blowing is a disgusting occupation. To sweep it with mental, moral, or physical dignity seems to me to be impossible. To sweep it with joy would be appalling. Man is made for something better than disturbing dirt. All work of that kind should be done by a machine." Now, I'd have to say I agree with him, but there's aspects uh, with Mr. Wilde, but there's aspects to what he says. I don't agree with Um, because I know I get I get a great enjoyment from sweeping the floor. And now I'm not standing on a railway crossing um, with the snow piling down on top of me, sweeping, whatever it was he was referring to on this particular day. But um, I think it's a little bit short sighted to suggest that manual labor is uh, unfulfilling and that you can't enjoy yourself uh, from it because I know you can. But I think what he was saying here in this excerpt is that human beings are not donkeys and what capitalist systems tend to do, the current, how we work, the workplace, how it's structured, what it tends to do is turn people into machines um, I've got a quote further on in today's article from, uh, a trucker, uh, I'll come to that in a minute, but if you can imagine, um, a worker in a factory environment or a warehouse environment where they have to arrive on time, they have to take their breaks at a particular time when the buzz, when the bell goes, they have to do a particular thing. It's all so rigid and formulaic and the human being is forced to comply. In that type of scenario in, in other words you can leave your brain at home and when i was a uh, when i was on the sites the big sites with you know you'd have hundreds of blokes in working on the ground and you know a common joke uh, that we would crack with each other is that uh, you know whenever there was a problem or something needed a little a little bit of thought and to try and figure it out get a solution we would always hold up our hands and say yeah i'm paid to think from the neck down And, uh, that's not, it's not trivial and that's still said today. And it's not trivial because that's what's expected on the sites. I've written about this recently. I think too, I seem to recall it, um, on a building site where you've got hundreds, you could even have thousands of, of blokes doing various different types of work. You're, you're, you have to work to a particular rule. Um, and it's adversarial construction sites it's an adversarial environment where you do what you're told or else you get bashed now not physically but but you you were in the past but that's the nature of it and nothing much much has changed there and i think that's what oscar wilde was talking about it's this uh, it's a kind of like debasement of of our humanity um all that the capitalist system the corporate entity looks for is a machine and we're replaceable, you know? Um, But I I really like that line, man is made for something better than disturbing dirt. Um, And I I think he's right to an extent. Um, I'd like to believe that no matter what work we do, there's an opportunity to do it well and with enthusiasm and enjoy it, you know? Um, So the challenge then is to do work for its own sake. That's what I believe. Now you have to get paid for that, and you have to try figure out how you make those two things fit. Doing things for, doing work for its inherent enjoyment, yet being able to earn a book in the process. Because, let's face it, that's how we've built things. Uh, but this, uh, this is kind of like a utopia, you know, this idea that we can find work that we can get lost in. I found it. Um, not only in work. I mean, it it doesn't only come. When I'm doing things to earn money, you know, I can get lost in myself when I'm doing a workout, for example, or going for a run. So it's not only work, but from a work perspective. It's it seems that this is the epitome of our achievement, you know, Um, Rudyard Kipling, in a quote from the same book, said. And only the master shall praise us and only the master shall blame and no one shall work for money and no one shall work for fame, but each for the joy of working and each in his separate star shall draw the thing as he sees it for the God of things as they are. Um, this is a, a small excerpt from a, from a larger piece, but he's essentially saying the same thing. And when I flick through this book and I come across passages like this and they, these writers from a hundred, two hundred, three hundred years ago were writing about the same thing, albeit their entire social structure was arguably very different than ours. And um, they're, they're still writing about the same thing. They're talking about the uh, how much work is a, is a degrading thing, or laborious work, and uh, working for cashes or working for money, like almost like a slave. Uh, a waged slave, I think was how it was put. Uh, it's just as bad as being a slave. Um, and that true, the true integrity in work can only be achieved from doing work for its own sake. And uh, I I believe that um, maybe many of us are bored in our work, you know, untested. I know in a little uh, research thing that I did a few years ago, uh, a few years ago, it was last year, actually completed it last year. Uh, several people, many people reported to be bored in their work. Um, and it just whatever it was they were doing, the technicalities of their work just didn't fulfill. It didn't test them. And um, that's a problem. Um, D.H. D.H. Lawrence, uh, in another quote from this book, said there is no point in work unless it absorbs you like an absorbing game if it doesn't absorb you if it's never any fun don't do it now that's easier said than done maybe many of us fall into jobs without much conscious decision decision making on our part but um well we need money so we go and we work for money like i said to start um but I, i'm not certain that uh there, there has to be a certain degree of privilege, I think. I mean, you have to have a few bob in your pocket. So if you're from, um, I don't know, Ballymun or uh, Ballyfermot or any, under, under, any other underprivileged area of a modern city and your opportunities are low, if a job comes along, you're going to take the job because you need a few quid. So either that or you're just going to bum around and maybe fall into crime. But the point is that we we don't all have that choice. Um, and there, in fact, for many people, there is no choice. But I think what most of us are after is uh, daily work activity, daily activity that we can be proud of and that allows us to express ourselves. And when we find it and we can immerse ourselves in it, we can get lost in it. And when we get lost in it, there's, it's like there's n- nothing standing in our way. We're kind of autonomous entities just doing what we're supposed to do. And a, a quote um, that matches this idea, I mentioned it earlier, is from Lillian Rubin uh, from 1972. It was a book. I can't remember the name of the book now, but he said uh, of, of his work, there's a good feeling when I'm out on the road There ain't nobody looking over your shoulder and watching what you're doing. When I worked in a warehouse, you'd be punching in and punching out and bells ringing all the time. On those jobs, you're not thinking. You're just doing what they tell you. Sure, now I'm expected to bring her in on time, but a couple of hours, one way or the other don't make no difference. And there ain't nobody but me to worry about how I get there. So this talks, this this speaks of this um, sense of autonomy that I'm talking about. And being largely in command of our own work. It's the freedom that I think we're all looking for. And um, my own particular experience of working on my own is that it's just, it's fulfilling and that's all there is to it. I can just throw myself into it and there's nobody, I work for myself, so I'm not waiting for permission. You might engage with other people to try to find the best solution possible, but uh, largely it's, uh, you've agreed to do a particular piece of work. The client has agreed to it too. You get cracking, you get into it, uh, you complete the job and then you get paid, um, you get a few payments along the way too. So it's, um, I think this need to survive that is the killer it, because if we don't, if we don't have a few quid. Well, then we're forced to do work that we wouldn't ordinarily do. And that's what a lot of people end up doing. So uh, here we are at the end of COVID. Hopefully the end of COVID. We're getting some um, of our freedoms back. But work work has changed. Yeah, okay, it's changed. Now uh, vaccinations are being rolled out and people are getting back into the workplace. And here we are joining lines of traffic again. And... I'm looking at the street where I live and it's a little, uh, it's a it's a kind of link road between two main roads. And um, people take shortcuts and they use this link road to, get, to try and get ahead of the traffic, to get home before everybody else. It never works because they just end up sitting in traffic on the link road. And then it blocks me getting home and they're all back again. And the link road is blocked again. And for me, when I look at that, or when I look at the traffic down through Stony Batter when I'm heading for the city centre um, nowadays in the last week or two, it seems that everybody's back to some degree in normality. The pubs aren't open, the restaurants aren't open, but people are back to work, and um, they're back to doing the t- everything that they were doing before. And we can talk about the future of work and get excited about all this and get excited about remote working and all this kind of thing, And maybe you have a point. Maybe it is a change for the better. But I don't believe it is. I don't believe that the fundamentals have changed at all. That we're just back to doing things the way we always did them. And uh, I'm not too optimistic that things will change en masse. But they can change for the individual. They can change for you in your work if you choose it. And they can change for me. They did change for me. Um, but I think if we can, if we're rely, if we continue to rely on someone else to give us a job and give us the opportunity to make money, well, then we are just slaves. And nothing changes, regardless of the technology. Um, we can talk about this kind of pursuit of freedom and work um, and hope for better in the future. But they've been talking about this, people have been talking about this for generations, for centuries, and nothing really has changed. Uh, Here's a couple of quotes for you. The desirable medium is one which mankind have often known how to hit. When they labor, they do it with all their might and especially with all their mind. But to devote to labor for mere pecuniary gain, fewer hours in the day, fewer hours in the year and fewer hours of life. That's from John Stuart Mill from Principles of Economy in 1848. Uh, F. W. of Principles of Economics in 1911, wrote, the chief model by which labor is likely to be made less irksome is not by a change in its character or its intrinsic attractiveness, but by a diminution in its severity. It will probably be lightened by the increasing perfection of tools and the increasing use of machinery though on the other hand it may be that from this cause its monotony will become no less perhaps greater uh kind of insightful i think Uh, in other words the machines won't won't make it the workplace better for you and i in fact they might make it worse um uh, John Maynard Keynes also had a lot to say about the future of work when he wrote in 1930 in economic possibilities for our grandchildren thus for the first time since his creation man will be faced with his real his permanent problem how to use his freedom from pressing pressing economic cares how to occupy the leisure which science and compound interest will have won for him to live wisely Agreeably and well. The strenuous, purposeful money makers may carry all of us along with them into the lap of economic abundance. For many ages to come, the old Adam will be so strong in us that everyone will need to do some work if he is to be contented. We will do more things for ourselves than is usual with the rich today, only too glad to have small duties and tasks and routines. So essentially, what he was saying was. Uh, with the advent of uh, machinery um, and technology, that we won't have to work to the extent that we do. That's that was in 1930, and he predicted a 15-hour work week, which didn't come it didn't come about. Um, not unless you're you're working part time. So, in many cases, actually, uh, uh, the working week has stayed the same, or in fact, become greater. I uh, read recently that Americans are working more hours today than their parents did in the 1960s. Uh, so this whole idea, this utopic idea of a 15-hour work week and machines taking care of everything and that uh, the moneymakers, as Keynes put it, would carry the rest of us along, uh, turned out to be a nonsense. And I don't think he really took into account the the greed of the few And their willingness to take advantage of the masses, particularly those in third world countries, because they really pay for our luxuries. And he didn't take account for our propensity towards captivity. And we don't like freedom. We'd rather be told what to do. We'd rather be given a structure and told, go to work. So I think it's idealistic and it is, but it doesn't have to be, not for individuals. I think we can. Uh, change it for ourselves and uh, that's my bag you know that's what I keep writing about okay so I'm going to split now but before I do I want to tell you about a little project that I'm running during the summer Um, I mentioned stony batter earlier I don't live too far away from it about five minutes drive and it's a really interesting part of the city uh, full of kind of an eclectic mix of people you've got the prison around the corner you've got uh, barristers and solicitors, solicitors living locally. You've got uh trendy Uber cool people wandering around the place, you know, looking stupid in their three-quarter length jeans. And um you've got uh you've got a few bums knocking around just to kind of balance out the place a bit. It's a bit foodie down in Stony Batter as well. Um so you've got a, a mix of professionals and working class people and all kinds of things going on. So I plan to talk to these people over the summer, uh, ask them about their work, how they feel about it, things they like, uh, maybe touch on what it is they wanted to do when they were small. And did they do it? If not, why not? Um, What they do if all their financial needs were met? I think that's a really interesting question. And I know some of you have answered uh, that before. I've asked you in a couple of different places, but... Um, I think it's going to make for a very interesting conversation. So I'll have more on that over the next few months as I gather the material, I have a bit of experimentation to do first and see if I can pull it off. But uh, just invested in a bit of technology to help me with that. So hopefully the recordings will be good and uh, we'll get some photographs as well and pull it all together and see what we can produce. Um, so that's all I've got for you for now. Uh, thanks for listening in this Sunday. And if you haven't read the article today, give it a read. It's somewhat different to what I've been banging on about um here uh, on the audio. So uh, maybe I'll see you there. G. Maguire, uh, com is where you'll find me. Uh, this is Sunday Letters, and I'll see you during the week. All right, take care.